1: Learn more at marines.com.
0: This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL.
1: Hello, 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 ladies and gents, boys and girls. Welcome to episode six, oh no, episode 26, sorry, of Tales with TR. I'm your host, Terry Ryan, TR, as they say, uh, and I know I, a lot to get to here. Um, we've had... My podcasts are obviously a little bit more sporadic um, at the moment, uh, just a lot, lot on the go. So one of the reasons uh, my buddy asked me um, here in Newfoundland, St. John's, to help him with his bar, Turkey Joe's. I'll just get right into it. because we got a great guest today, Jesse Sutton, another Mount Pearl uh, hockey player from Mount Pearl. Jesse's 22, plays in UPEI now, great career in the Quebec League. Uh, Major juniors, just a great stepping stone for kids, you know. A lot of people don't realize you get your schooling paid for afterwards, or... It depends. Uh, A lot of the details in separate contracts are different, but for the most part, if you play a year major junior, you get a free year schooling. A lot of people don't realize that. And Jesse played five years in the Quebec major junior league. And is enjoying career now as a student hockey player in uh, UPEI anyway anyway i'll i'll get to what i i meant to talk about first so it's a big topic here in Newfoundland like the bar's opening and stuff a, a because where the, the i guess the most intriguing part of it is that we've had no cases for 2 months there was two isolated and they weren't really on the island so As of Thursday, a week and a half ago, this being Monday. um, As of then, there was yeah, there was no case. So it it really felt. Again, this is just my personal view, and a lot of people um, that that came down around the bar. You know, they felt like one guy said, "You know, there's more kangaroos." in Newfoundland and there is Corona. I don't mean, I don't mean to make a joke in it. And I, I really thought about that. And and I don't, cause I know what's going on worldwide, but it's a unique little situation we were in. So, and, and again, I, I kind of agree, but you still got to be precautionary. You know, um, I agree with that too. I understand. But again, we're in a position that we can kind of lock it down. You know, look at New Zealand now kind of thing, right? So even though the phases are slowly opening, I mean, I know that's on everybody's mind. Now that's changed since because I'm talking about a week and a half ago, the bars opened. And just a couple days ago, they opened an Atlantic bubble. So now that goes, I, I totally disagree with that. And I think we're now we're going to have cases because these other provinces, I, I just don't love Atlantic Canada, but I think we, we have a unique situation in Newfoundland that we could have locked it down, right? And, and, and maybe it is, it's still locked down. We don't have any cases, but I just think, you know, you stop it at the airport and you stop it on the ferry. How else is it going to get here? right, same way a kangaroo would get here, right, that's the only way, right, it's not, so we can stop that, whether it's, you know, quarantine, everybody coming in for 14 days, don't open the Atlantic bubble, um, you know, heavy testing, there's all kind of measures that we know by now, but anyway, in Newfoundland, we were and are doing great, I just really feel that, I don't know. There's reasons, I suppose, but most people I talked to did not want to open the Atlantic bubble, and I totally agree. I would rather just stay here. I got some opportunities too to make some money and travel, but um, yeah, I I, I get the other side of the argument from a, a lot of businessmen that were kind of upset and women and women. But I don't agree. I would have just kept it shut down, if you're asking me. But but anyway, now, so that's mindset going into last Thursday. Now Me, though, I'm helping my buddy Stephen Hancock run a bar. Now, TJ's used to be Turkey Joe's. Well, it is kind of, but we just changed the name a little bit. We put a pool table in there to space people out. We really, we knew what the capacity uh, requirements were. Not requirements, but the rules. Half capacity. So anyway, there's a lot going on. But it was Thursday a week and a half ago, so we really didn't expect that many a- anyway. We put out some tables and chairs and whatever. But I guess people's hunger because the bar's opened that day, so people's hunger to go out I guess and, and especially look I, again, I'm not defending it I'm, I'm just saying what they I know what the I talked to most people coming in, and their thoughts were that you know we don't have it here if if, if there ends up being a breakout on George street then the crack in the foundation happened way before, you know, you got more to worry about than the TJ's deck kind of thing. But I agree. I know what people are saying. The other side of that is that, you know, it's a deadly virus. And if it was here, then the measures aren't being taken, the precautionary measures. So I get that. I get it. I get it. I get it. Uh I went on open line today here in Newfoundland and talked about it a bit, but there's so much that goes into this the context. I got to give it to you. So, it was Thursday the first day. I really, really other than so so Stephen Hancock again, my buddy, asked me to help him run it. So I hired a couple of people that I knew were great. Uh Jeremy Barron and Eric Lopez, who worked at Merchant Tavern with my ex wife Danielle, who runs things down there, and Jeremy Charles, Jeremy Bonia, you know, the chef and the wine connoisseur. So and and part owners. So I knew they were good people, so I got them, and, you know, they brought a lot of people in, and I, you know, encouraged the, the land growlers uh, to come in and, and the pro hockey players. You know, I wanted a certain clientele in there. Not, not that they had to be hockey players, but I just know, you know, hockey players, young hockey player, You, you A, you got goals. You're probably not really into drugs in, in a big way. And um, But by goals, I mean, you know, you, 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 you. there's something to be said for a, a guy in his – late teens, early twenties, that's, you know, got goals set for himself or herself and is going to college. And I, you know, and I, I, I'm not limited in it, the, the people getting the bar to hockey, but I'm encouraging whoever I, I just know that. So I was like the, the people that I, and the same thing from the film industry so the, I can only speak for the people that I work close with. So I, I, I called some hockey player buddies of mine, some people in the film industry I know are good people, just some good family and friends. And said, you know, I'm going to change things up down there. I want the right crowd, and uh, you know, I want Stefan to have a successful place. You know, all while maintaining the rules. But now, that being said, so I really didn't know about staffing or anything, and and no one realized Turkey's was kind of not doing well. I'll be honest. You know, it used to be packed way back in the day. It was real one of the. It was the most popular place on George Street in the late '90s, and then in the early 2000s. Um, but Stefan's father, Dick owns owned, uh, green sleeves. So I guess when he got out of the business, Stefan went across the street. Green scene's kind of like the cornerstone, one of the first bars on George street. It's an institution, uh, you know, live music. It's arguably the most popular pub down there for for this stretch of 1980 till now. So Stefan went over, you know, and and took it over for his dad. So uh, Turkey's, you know, I guess not fell by the wayside, but, it wasn't his main deal anymore, he had other people running it, and and, and you know it, it, it's, that 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 went on for years. I'm not knocking anybody that came before me, you know to, to to keep a bar popular is hard to do, and it had ups and downs, you know. but anyway, he didn't know what to do with it. he didn't have much time for it anymore. and uh, so I said I'd help him. So anyway, it takes us last Thursday. So I hired those guys. I write I, and so we had a we have a nice patio upstairs. wasn't be used much anymore on the deck. So I put the boys up there and I and they hired someone on the spot that day for downstairs. Um, so, you know, one bartender down two up and me and I was just like, I'll monitor the door and like and there's three entrances. So that was a major fuck up because and again, in any other circumstance, it would have been great. We weren't expecting the numbers to be more than you know, the average that had been going in there, which wasn't that many, the goal that night of Stefan even said to me, "If we can get 20 people, 30 people in here. And we, we had dart boards, we had pool table, uh, we had areas to sit, we had board games. So I was like, you know, maybe that's the atmosphere I was expecting. That's the atmosphere I was expecting. And sure enough, then people came down and they, you know, and you're playing music. So people started dancing and, and then it filled up, it it filled up so much. So we're allowed to have 65 up top. That's what you're allowed. And it, even that looked too, like too many people, but this was probably 85. So I, I didn't know what else to do. I'd know we were short staffed, got caught with my pants down, apologize about all this. I, I stood up on the bar. I said, everybody got to leave. If, if we want this to keep going, you've got to leave because I got to follow the rules and it's my fault tonight. It's all on me. Boom. They left the next night. It was getting there again. And that's what we did. We shut it down. Now, for those of you who don't know what that feels like, like it was 1213 the first night. Well, that it kept, that I shut it down. Thursday ended up being fairly manageable. Still had to turn people away, but they respected it. Friday, I'm telling you, it was a zoo. People are lined up for, and, and not even really respecting it because there was a lineup, and I'm trying to enforce it. Then I got to go up and, and make runs to get ice or tonic water or whatever it might be. Um, I'm doing the music as well. I got that going on my phone. So it was like, Again, it was way too much, and we had a bouncer at that point. But people, what was happening is that you can have 50 downstairs, 65 up. I believe 60 downstairs, 65 up. But so we'd have like five downstairs. People were walking in and they were going up through the back. So then I realized, wow, I need another bouncer. Again, this is really just a story of a learning curve of someone running a bar. So and the health inspectors came in and they work with me. I said, see what I mean? And I, I said, you know, once they're in here, it, it's, it's kind of up to them. Like I can recommend stuff, but, you know, if I got music on, they're going to dance. And they were like, we will to discourage the dancing. So well, how am I going to do that? They said well, will play worse music or don't play music. And now, do you, do you understand here as a listening audience how weird that is? I'm trying to take my buddy's Obar over, over it, trying to help—not over it. I'm trying to help him get back into the you know making money a little bit with this thing. And now I've got to turn people away. Not, not, not only—and I get it because you know we were at capacity. I get it. I, I, I get that part of it to turning people away because of the virus. But what's weird is that once you're in there, you got to like play, say, worse music. That was a legitimate um, suggestion. And they're like, well, maybe turn it off. And I'm like, geez, that's weird. So I did. I put on like classical music for a while. (laughs) And then I just turned the music off. And then people walk out. So then you're like, oh, okay, now it's down to 15 people. Now, I'm trying to run a bar for Stefan who, who lost money a lot of money in the last few months and a lot of other bar owners Half the streets empty. So, and you know, a lot of people wanted to get in because you know, they wanted to dance or whatever. So, and now I'd get the music on. Now I kick people out. Now he's losing business. Now it goes from like, again, you can only have 65 upstairs, 50 or 60 down, 60 down. Like we, it, it, it honestly, it's indoors. So we go with 50, we go under capacity down there because the indoors versus outdoors, I guess, you know, I'm just trying to listen to scientists. So, but anyway, so then you're like turning people away and it goes down Like, and you're like, okay, should I put music on again? Like, I got to kind of discourage people having fun in a way. It's just this really, really weird dichotomy of thoughts going on. So, you know, then you turn the music on a bit and then people want to come in. It, it's, that's what's going on. It's, it's a tough game uh, out there now. It's not just keeping numbers down again for fire regulations. It's keeping numbers down for health and, and, and safety hazards. So, and one hand you do it, but now I get, now after that second night, we totally, now again, I kicked people out too. It was 12, 13. I kicked them out because I was like, it's starting to get out of hand again. And, and then, you know, each hour that you're at capacity and you kick people out, you're losing thousands of dollars, thousands. So it was a real decision to do that. Um. So anyway, you see what I mean? So I said, you know what? What do you what do you do from here? All I can really do is hire even another. So I've got three at least doormen on. I mean, even when there's nobody in there, we're talking like we're ato- all these instances are from like seven or eight at night till closed. It doesn't happen during the day like that. And we don't serve food really. You can go over and get it from Green Sleeves. I'll serve. I'll bring it over across the street. But we don't have a kitchen per se. So, you know, all these problems I talk about are are late at night. So um or later so anyway it, it it's a real challenge and i know a lot of people in newfoundland saw some pictures of the rob roy whatever but you know i understand what the rob roy were doing and some of those were from the street like first of all if there's a huge lineup that's not us just because the lineup's outside turkey joe's uh, that's why that means we're doing our jobs people you know all these pictures going around social media and Fair enough for the ones inside, but again, I don't know what they did. I can't speak for them. I know it's a hard position to be in, and I know that half capacity still looks like there's a lot of people, and once they're in there, I'm telling you, you can only recommend. You can't force. So other than turn off the music and make the experience a worse experience for the customer, it's – and I did do that, but I just find it – it's tough. All I slash we at TJ's can really do – is uh, keep the capacity on, and we can recommend, but we can keep the capacity under what it's supposed to be, right? That is, is law. And once you come in, and I even go around with a whistle sometimes, no dancing, it's almost comical, but there's only so much you can do. So anybody in I don't know what happened at Rob Roy. Most of the uh, qu- pitchers on the net are from there, but I'm telling you, a lot of it is, is line up outside and when they're inside they congregate to one area man there's lots more room in the in the rob roy but they go to one area and, and it's tough and i know what the, I, I know everybody's concern i really do and uh, i'm just telling you as 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 i've been a, a week and a half experience now on george street it's not just me man even though i got no experience we're around and this is a new thing for everybody now i agree with the social distancing and the recommendations and we're just trying to we're just trying to make a, 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 a good experience for the customer and make the bar owner a little bit of money that, that they lost our own owners. Right. And, and, and just try, and that's tough. So please, I'm asking you, and, and I know people have strong feelings, but please understand that at least from my end, we're, we're trying to work with everybody and we get it and it's a trying time. Okay. Uh, I can't speak for the Rob Roy, but I'm telling you that all those pictures are slightly out of context um, not all of them, but there, there is, put it this way. There's a context to them that it, 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 had you see how hard it was, you would probably understand a little bit. Uh, it's not all bar owners. Um, okay. So good luck to everybody with that. Now I, and I do think I'm, I'm, now this is personal, not bar owner. Like I said, laws, regulations, I get it. But if we get it in Newfoundland here, I'm telling you right now, now, that's my barrel uh, runner speech over now. here's my personal opinion. If we get it, I feel the government of Newfoundland and Labrador let me down, and I will vote the other way. I'm not going to a hundred percent I can say this that if it breaks out here, a hundred percent, I'm not voting for the Liberals. Not that I was going to anyway, I might, like I've often said to people, I don't vote with party every time. I can tell you that for sure, And sometimes I speak up for gay rights. Uh, or, or you know the abortion issue or whatever and people think that I'm like way far left no no i'm telling you i think a problem that they have in the united states is there's only two parties i think it's 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 what level of corruption right now i think donald trump is is nuts and got to go anywhere else he'd be he'd be in a mental institution but the republicans in general up to this crazy point I would have said, you know, there are many foreign affairs finances. If I was American, I really would have been on the fence with John McCain. I probably wouldn't have voted for him in 2008 because he picked Sarah Palin, who's a tea partier that thinks the world is 6,000 years old. And that is dangerous. But that would have been the only, and and that's what you got down there now on the Republican side. Right? The odd person that's just out of, like and I just could never, if I was American, vote for someone who, who didn't believe science but I would have taken McCain for sure. Had he picked a better running mate, I would have supported him, right? I know Barack was symbolic for a lot of reasons, And but after what after Barack went in, there was good and bad, I'll tell you, right? And I'm sure they're not hurting like often people, you know, the boys are going around, Hillary Clinton, Bill, Barack, Michelle, right? They get paid like 500 grand for some speeches, right? And they're in bed with all the CEOs and the corrupt companies. So I'm not saying... Yeah, I'm not saying that I'm Democrat through and through. Right now, I would be though if I was in the states. You got to get that madman out. You got to get that madman out. The absolute, uh, I—it's cultish at this point. Um, but in in here, I'll say in Canada, if I get let down, I will a hundred percent vote against that. This is it, it, well, more personally, Newfoundland. Um, I just think we had it, man, and, and we got it. And this Atlantic bubble is scaring me. I ran into someone up to Lawton's and Buddy said, actually called into the, there was another call, an, an open line a couple of days ago, but when it all opened, um, so yeah, to go back the Atlantic bubble opened the following Thursday. So we had a week here of absolutely no cases or, or two months of no cases, and then followed by a week of no one coming in. And then we opened up the Atlantic bubble the other day. There's three, PI had nothing for two months. Now they got three cases on the first day. So yeah, I'm skeptical and I'm worried. And I'm just saying, there's way, whatever the argument is, I don't fucking care anymore. I don't care. We could have shut those doors. We could have been more strict. We opened up the Atlantic bubble. We weren't going to, I know that. So we didn't have to. Now, you can argue who would have won and lost more money. I know 50 businessmen, I believe, wrote a letter and convinced Dwight Ball, or it, it, the way I understand it, that was part of it, and the liberals to, to open up that Atlantic bubble. Well, I'm telling you, if it breaks out, not only will you not get my vote, but you would right now. It's It's been handled up to this point. Prove me wrong. If it breaks out, not only will I not vote for you, but I'm going to be vocal, as vocal as fuck, because... Money is one thing, right? We all understand the small business owners, the, 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 whoever, you know, I can assume that it's big companies that say that there's so much trade that they're losing that we're going to lose as a province. That's what I assume would be the reason. But there's a lot of small businesses like the one I'm running, Turkey Joe's, that would love it if there was no cases, right? George Street's one example. The pedestrian walk down there that we got going on now and Water Street that everybody loves, kiss that goodbye if it breaks out. Is all I'm saying. We're living our best lives. There's not many people on the planet that are. And it got opened up. And if we get it, I'm going to fucking lose my mind as a fucking common citizen. I got the power of my podcast, I guess. I have a platform. I have Twitter or whatever. Come at me. But if we get it, I don't care how. I don't get If we get it, it happened because that Atlantic fucking bubble got opened. Now, if there's some exception, if we find out that a bird can fly it in and I'm wrong, Fine. Like I said, and the patron said to me the weekend, there's more kangaroos in Newfoundland. Now, again, doesn't mean I'm not going to be precautionary down there. Doesn't mean I don't have sanitizer all over the fucking bar. Doesn't mean I don't have everything spaced out. I get it. And to not follow the rules would be A, fucking ignorant, and B, disrespectful. So please don't think that I'm, again, saying this, because of anything on, that happened to me on George Street. I'm putting that in a box. I get it, especially when people got a fucking have 50 people at their wedding. They're suggested not to dance. Uh, some people can't visit their grandmothers. and you can't, you can't drink from the fountain at the gym, but you can go and leave all these glasses. I know. The whole world is a fucking contradiction right now. I get that. It's a hard position to be in. I'm trying to help my friend. We learn. We move ahead. We learn now now, um, that being said, it was good to see people out. It was good, um, and we got a nice pedestrian they shut off downtown for those of you that have been to Newfoundland, but aren't quite familiar so Water Street's the main street uh, I, I, St John's is the oldest city in north america i I haven't really talked to anybody. Water Street must be the oldest, if not one of the oldest streets in North America because it's the main street downtown that's everything it's it's been the same since roads down that way were built I, I don't know when it's clearly there in the fire of 1892 just going by pictures so like Water Street goes back a long fucking way Um, but there's Duckworth Street and then there's Harbor Drive down there that are parallel so you can kind of get away with at least for now it's the worst of or it's the best of some some bad decisions that have to be made I don't mean just COVID. I mean, there's like, they're tearing up the roads down there too. So, but anyway, so it's shut down and it's cool because uh, just a few days ago they did it and they opened it up to the public and there's, you can go for a walk and, you know, a lot of businesses down there were hurting as they were a lot of places now because you can shop online more and things, but it's encouraging people to get out and, and, and spend locally and, uh, Hey, if you're listening to St. John's, I'd put kiosks right down the middle. It, it ours could be. So that whole stretch could be a marketplace. And that's what I kind of heard. You're going out of the market, but it's not though. It's just the roads closed. And there's a difference right now. It's a road closure. So there are people walking and there's the odd, not enough of, I think people with guitars There's one at one end another. But if you know, if, if it's Ottawa, you're going through and there's kiosks right down the middle, right? People selling your t-shirts, Bra- bracelets, uh, watches, you know, glasses, whatever you got that stuff. And then you got lots of local stuff. Um, and I think, God, there's so many things you could display, you know, the, from the Aboriginal art folk art, um, that there's a lot of around and, uh, is, is certainly, I think that business has taken off in recent times. I love it too. Cause it it showcases part of our heritage and, you know, we have all kinds of Inu and Inuit and, Native groups living in Newfoundland and um, I love supporting that community. They're very creative uh, people and and part of their culture is to be creative. And uh, anyway, that's just one. But I I think you could take things like that, showcase Newfoundland, put it right down the yellow line and have, uh, you know, mimes, jugglers, you name it, whatever. Right now it's merely a road closure. Um, What else? NHL. NHL. I don't know. I still think it's a pipe dream. I do. Um, I hope. But, you know, each time I glance, I've kind of tuned out, man. I've kind of tuned out. Each time I glance, though, there's more people with it. I, I just don't know how. I, I just don't know how you're going to justify it to get through it. And even though, even though, even though I know that the, the worst happens to the elderly, but it, it, there are exceptions, though. And I just find – what if you're in the Stanley Cup final and four guys have it on a team, right? Are they going to play in the game? Or, I, I just – and someone might – you never know. Like someone with diabetes or something might die. And then you're like – and regardless, who they come in contact with might I, – I just – look, I, again, I'm I'm all for hockey. I wanted to – I just had a bar with fucking – bordering on regulation numbers. I get it. I get that people want to do shit and I want to see it happen. I'm just saying, I don't know how any of the sports leagues are going to function. I, I, I want, I'm, I'm curious. I just think no one wants to fold the tent first. I do, but I, I just don't see it. I just, we're talking about the 1920 season in hockey, for example, baseball, I guess you're talking about a new season. You could just keep waiting. You could push that one and keep pushing. I just don't know how long you can push this. So you're gonna push the end of this season, and then the next season's gonna start in January. I, ju- I just, even that, I yeah. I really hope. Good luck. Good luck. Um, but people have been asking me for a prediction. I, I don't know. I can't give you a prediction. There's gonna be. I think there's gonna be people, and as it goes, and if there's more cases, there's gonna be people on each team that decide not to play. What do you do then? It's a fucked up time we're in, but. Yeah, I just don't see it. Like, I can't take seriously people, like, breaking down the the season as we go into it because I just don't think it's going to happen. So I don't pay much attention. Again, I hope it does. I hope it does. I hope they find a way, man. John Oliver actually has a good episode on sports. It's maybe a month or a month, month and a half old. Um, it's, what's that show? Uh, Last Week Tonight with John Oliver. So some of his episodes that can be polarizing but there some are very informative he's a smart guy anyway so this one's informative it's not you know the political ones whatever i get it you don't want to hear politics and you don't want to you know it's a frustrating time to have to follow politics so and most of his shows end up being political but, but this one is just on sports it's it was recommended to me by a friend and I watched it and I was like, yeah, you're right. And, and, and he gets into some details there that I just, yeah, I just don't know how. So every once in a while I recommend something, check that out last week tonight, John Oliver, I get it on crave. And once in a while he has a gem of an episode. Televangelists is another good one. If you like that, uh, televangelists, that's a great, uh, that's probably my favorite episode. Um, not that I've seen them all. And again, I don't like to watch the political ones in the last two or three years because Donald Trump dominates the media. Most of them are about that. And I just click it off. But um, great researchers and writers at the John Oliver Show and uh, that sports episode. You might not agree with everything, right? So I don't want to get these this fan mail with, like, all caps. And, and ex- I, I know. I know. You might not agree with everything. But, like... We're in this climate that people yell and scream, and I get it. I'm just saying it's fairly informative. And, you know, I'll watch it. Just like I talk about that, I know I'm gonna get people now. He's a far left, not, he's not. He does have some episodes on that, and political and, and left versus right. Well, don't watch it, I guess. But I'm the same way with, like. I think Fox News is unbelievably bad. I think if you took away Fox News, Things would settle down. I, I really do. I think the whole, it's so corrupt. Fucking Fox fucking news. And they, they ignorant that Sean Hannity, I wish I could, I, it'd be hard for me not to slap him right in the face. And I know he wouldn't do anything either. Cause he got no fucking balls. People like that. No fucking balls for actual action. Anyway, I just think they don't, don't get me wrong. I think CNN, Don Lemon fucking is probably the worst from that angle. Um, Chris Cuomo, he's concerned. I just don't find the left as dangerous. Yes, CNN is really left. I just don't find it as dangerous. Not today, anyway. Uh, But that being said, there's Fox News. Chris Wallace, I love that guy's opinion. I really do. I think it's great. I watch everything that comes down there. Now, some things I disagree with, right? Just like Don Lemon, some things I disagree with. But usually, there's a center. You watch both, and you can kind of pick out. So pick... I encourage that to everybody. I know I say it here a lot. Just If I could say anything, I'd say watch local news because I think now, because again, CNN and Fox have agendas. So they're, you're not getting the full story. Although again, I'll say on Fox, you're getting far less of the real story, but CNN will definitely go left on, on most things. Um, again, what would I say? But, but But again, at least they have the other side represented. You might watch Fox all day and you don't even know that Trump just had Said, grab a pussy, or mock to handicap, or whatever it might be. You might not even see that on CNN. So they, or or sorry, on Fox, they they ignore the issue completely. CNN might overplay it all day long. Did you see Donald Trump said grab a pussy? Okay, we know he's ignorant. Now move on, right? I just find one is more dangerous than the other. That being said, local. I suggest watching and and reading local news, um, and even if you're in in, in the states read uh, read get our take watch other countries what they say i read the globe and mail the national post whatever it might be you know if i'm in toronto the star the sun i know some are worse than others the sun especially but you know point is i try to read and take in as many angles of media as i can to get to form my own opinion and if you're only watching one thing guys you're only getting one side of the story, and that's the most dangerous thing I think now as anything. And we, the media is only going to go to extremes. You're going to see racists now, right? You're going to see anti-racist. You're going to see protesters. You're going to see Trump talk about immigration. Now, immigration. There's some like so something has to be done. You can't just let in everybody, right? Like in Canada, we don't, but we don't make this big thing divisive, and we don't call immigrants rapists and murderers before even meeting them. That's insane. It's racist. I don't care what you say. Donald Trump flares up and he incites racism. You might be able to, that's it. It's, it's people get violent. Now, but in between all that shit, there's issues, right? Like infrastructure in the United States, in Canada, in the United States, like, you know, a lot of those infrastructure, man, like, Look at Flint. Look at the water you were being served in Flint. People were dying. Like, that's going on. Like, pipes and, and bridges and, and cities and, and, you know, just the architecture and, the, you know, the infrastructure of these things. Neither, and no one even is bringing that up. That That's a typical problem. Like, education. They just cut education to pay for some of this COVID. But, you know, that education, uh, health. Th- these are important issues that just get lost because CNN and Fox – Focus on the extreme shit. And I've found that, lo- like, if I want to know what's going on in, in in the United States, I'll often go back to the Tri-City Herald, which is the paper I played at Hockey in Tri-Cities, because you'll get a much more well-rounded opinion from someone that is just a reporter that doesn't have an agenda. Now, everybody you could argue has an, has an agenda. Everybody's going to be biased to a point. But most, for the most part, in local papers... For me, it's the furthest removed from that national, shocking, breaking news every day headline nature of the other two or, or two. MSNBC is fucking saying, like, uh, each side has r- reporters and reporting that I find to be biased and non factual. Find it. Find what the smartest people are doing and do what they do. Right? Look online. Okay, hmm. Who would, who do, who do you think maybe be open minded, right? And have seen the world from a lot of different angles? Uh, you know, it doesn't have to be a politician, right? It doesn't have to be. Um, let me think. Uh, so, for example, if you were to follow Donald Trump and you like the US and, and, and you know you're a patriot, if you were to follow him, you certainly wouldn't get the news, right? And again, I think that man is, is crazy. You, you would only get hate. And you would only think that everybody that didn't agree with him—you'd actually think he was a dictator. Well, right? He probably is. A, yeah. I—I I just find him fucking crazy, man. I can't believe this many people vote for him. Um, again, not the Republicans in general. Right? Mitt Romney, Paul Ryan—you know—in the last few years, you know, those these people, uh, I find have a Republican agenda, but it's not crazy. They can—they're well spoken, they're articulate, they have some great points. Um, you know, so maybe, you know, just follow and get involved. I think I'm talking there because I know I have a lot of American people in my audience. So a lot of time, and and it's the most divisive thing that's happening in the world. And, you know, in Canada, we turn on all the networks. I watch CBC, CTV, we have the same sort of thing going on, but really we've handled it much better in Canada. Say what you want about Trudeau. Say what comes out with the mask on. Trump hasn't even at that point yet, right? Trump has, I'm not saying we're phenomenal. We had a few cracks in the system, but for the most part, and just check the numbers. Don't watch what Donald Trump says. If, you, if that's all you do, look at the numbers. What I'm saying is whether you hate Trudeau or love him or whatever, whatever Canada, and it's not just Trudeau. I mean, both of all parties, we all kind of came together. They worked together. You look at what happened here. And we took care of it much better than the United States is because they're still yelling at each other. Trump is is denying at this point that it even exists. Now, I will say that there's been a few things in the last few years that I've been fucking pissed at our national leadership about. To get into that would be just to delve into somewhere I don't really want to go. But in this case, I think they've done a splendid job. And that's not just Trudeau and the liberals. It's everybody working together. And they realize that this disease transcends politics. And for the most part, I know there are hiccups. Canada has done a great job um, there. Uh, good luck uh, to you Americans and everything else. Once again, I've spent uh half hour or so <laughs> talking about stuff I didn't really want to. But, hey, anybody locally is going to hear about downtown And I wanted to address that because I think people are in a hard position and I'm always going to encourage both sides of the story. So there you go. Uh, I think guys, I'm going to break, I'm going to have a little bit, um, I'm going to break and and, uh, we're going to hear from Jesse Sutton. Now one of my uh, favorite young hockey players from the Island and Jesse went out and started a podcast and I want to help him out because I think it's going to do great. If I, if I judging on the numbers that I get and the kind of demographic that listens to my show, I think the boys are onto something, not a lot of people their age with a platform, you know, that being, um, you know, the, the, Jesse Sutton and Clifton Finney too. They they do it together and Cliff played hockey and, you know, they, they have a, a, a big social group of friends and not only from the, from the Island, but from, uh, the mainland that they played hockey with and everything else. And I really support it. And I, I think, I wanted to have Jesse on because he's an interesting guest. He's from Mount Pearl. He plays hockey, shoots left. Uh, you know, we, we played Major Junior. We have a lot in common. But more than anything, I want to get that podcast off the ground. So before I get Jesse, remember, if I forget to talk about it, I don't think I will, but his podcast is called Talk on the Rock, and you can find that on Instagram. It's just Talk on the Rock. Uh, I'm sure you can get it on Twitter and everything, too. We'll find out more about that in a minute. Ladies and gentlemen, upcoming Jesse Sutton. Hang in. Like you're a slob. Like shut your whore mouth. <laughs> that's it.
0: Yeah, like the fr- the phrase pigeon toss. Like I find that hilarious. <laughs> like as <laughs> if you were to toss a pigeon. Like what the fuck is a pigeon toss? No, like you just pigeon toss a guy out of the way. Like Daniel. That's a guy, don't forget to catch stick in rank the healthiest podcast in the Vancouver area every monday on the stick in rink podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts from or on the hockey podcast network every team everywhere you know how fucked i am in the head when you said pidget toss the first thing i thought of was midget toss
1: we're back Ladies and gentlemen, it gives me great pleasure to welcome the former Mount Pearl Blade, St. John's Privateer, Quebec Rampart, Chicoutimi, Saguenay, Acadie Bathurst Teton, current UPEI Panther, and co host of Talk on the Rock podcast. He is a fantastic forward, a charming checker, a viper of a sniper, the Earl of Mount Pearl. A passionate Panther. He can really back check and played four years in Quebec. Oh, my, my, he now suits up in PEI. Last Friday, we got gassed and talked about his new podcast. He's not a nurse, but played in Acadie Bathurst. Much like me, comes from Mount Pearl, you see. He has a good shot, great hands, and comes from Newfoundland. He likes his coffee sweet and strolls down George Street. Want to hear more? He kicked my ass at PS4. Hockey, that is. He's six foot two and cute as a button. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Jesse, the Jackal Sutton. How you doing, Jess?
0: I'm great. Thanks a lot, Terry. Thanks for having
1: me. Yeah, yeah. yeah, No sweat. No sweat. So listen, we're going to get right into it. I got you for a half hour today. I appreciate you doing this. We mentioned it before, but uh, I kind of got you last minute. So um, I do appreciate you coming on.
0: No problem. Just repaying the favor. Obviously, you coming on our podcast. You know, I'm back here to help you out.
1: How is that going, by the way, your podcast?
0: It's going good. You know, uh, we thought it would be a pretty good time to start it all off uh, with the pandemic and all just trying to keep everyone kind of involved with, I guess, there's not a lot going on with sports. So we thought we kind of spread our knowledge, I guess, a little bit. And then, like I said, bring on uh, some sports figures from Newfoundland to kind of shed
1: light on on the sports world, I guess. Name some guests you've had so far outside of myself, of course.
0: Well, you were, I guess, for our famous guest number one. But uh, beauty, beauty, we've yeah, had, yeah. Uh, I guess, basketball, I guess, I kind of knew finally we had Carl English on. We've had Luke Adam. We've had Dawson Mercer. We had my good buddy Zach Fucali on last week. And then uh, my good buddy also Evan Fitzpatrick was just on the, the previous week.
1: Uh, that's pretty interesting. Um I guess I would say, is that a goal of yours? I don't know what you're doing at UPEI. What subject are you doing? Like, are you are you interested in broadcasting or was this just because, you know what, it's a pandemic and we got to do something and you just figured, let's be creative. You know, I'm well, I'm studying kinesiology, but
0: like I've always been pretty good with interviews and stuff and, and with words. And then one night we were just, it was my buddy's, it was Finney's birthday, actually. And we were just, just sitting in my buddy's shed. And we like we were just going back and forth, like talking about, I guess, sports debates and stuff. And then our other friend was like, man, like, why don't you guys just do a podcast? Like all you do is sit down here and debate. So like, why don't you guys kind of turn it into your own thing? So it kind of it
1: kind of went from there. That's deadly. Um, and so Clifton. So tell us because Clifton's a hockey player as well, right? Clifton mm-hmm. uh, played a little bit. I, I know he had a story about playing senior hockey here, but but he was a good player growing up. Tell us a little bit about his career and how you guys know each other. Well, we were both from Mount Pearl, and
0: regardless of hockey, we, we've gone to school together, I think, since we were in elementary school. So we've known each other, I guess, through hockey and then through school. I think he was my linemate growing up from every second year I played, probably from novice until bantam. And then we played my first year midget, we played together with the privateers. And then he went on to play uh, a couple years of junior B with Mount Pearl. And then, like I said, he's working or he's in doing school up in uh, in Porta Bas now, so he ended up getting a job or getting kind of a gig there to play with the Port of Bas Mariners kind of while he's going to school there and, and also getting a chance to play hockey.
1: Awesome. Um, okay, I'm glad you brought up early life from Mount Pearl. I wanted to get there, so you guys are i mean I, I became aware of you I guess you were maybe when you were 13 or 14. I usually have a beat on the Mount Pearl players coming up, but I didn't know much before that. So did you come right from Mount Pearl? Did you play all your minor hockey here?
0: Yeah, I was actually kind of like a late, I wouldn't say late bloomer, but a late start. Uh, Basketball has kind of been my family sport. Like that's what my dad played. That's what kind of I groomed up playing. And then my dad actually was kind of like, Hey man, like everyone's kind of does a multi-sport thing. Like you're not just going to grow up. Like you kind of gets like, you kind of can incorporate different things into different sports. So I ended up picking up Pocky said, go try it. Like, if you don't like it, you can like, he's not really much into giving up and I'm super competitive. So I ended up trying it. I was terrible at first, but I kind of kept working at it and working at it. I didn't start till I was, I think eight. I think I, I never, I never, I actually never played till I was I think seven or eight, like my second year novice. I think I really started to pick it up. And then Adam, I kind of got better and better. And then it was kind of like every summer I was just like, man, like I got to keep adding new things and, I'm, like I said, I'm super competitive, so I just kind of wanted to
1: keep getting better and better. So this is a good time to bring this up then. So I, I really – I'm curious. I don't know what your answer is going to be. I know for most people, for me, I grew up – my dad coached the Junior Blades, you know, way, way back in the Senior blade. Like, I grew up at the rink. Yeah. So – and I played the other sports too, though, like every sport at our school. You know, I, I, I was kind of the other way. But, you know, I played basketball because it was there, and, you know, we were okay. And um, so we were always playing something uh but i really started focusing on on hockey and and soccer if you can believe it um and we won the atlantics in soccer and everything it was like so my childhood and i you know my dad had played pro but he used to really be strict he'd be like you know i don't want you skating for you pick when but he's like you know there's times i think it was like maybe june and july he's like you know you should take that off and i really looked forward to playing soccer and it had to help me because it's a lot of the same movements and you know my my legs, I'm sure it helped the strength. And, you know, you're doing cardio. So for me, it was, and I know Teddy Purcell, I know Cleary. I know I talked to a lot of us that are around, that came in, in and around that generation, slightly ahead of you. And we would do other sports in the summer. Now you're coming out from the other ankle; You were another athlete first and kind of picked up hockey. So did you have to catch up and play hockey all year around, or did you still take time off? That was the thing for me. When I first
0: started, it was kind of like hockey, hockey, hockey in the summer. But then when I kind of started to pick it up a little more, my dad, I used to go to Eastern Flyers, that camp. I don't even know if that's still a thing anymore, that Russ, Russ Adam and Andy Sullivan used to run down there. Yeah, Yeah, I used to do that all the time. And my dad and uh, Russ Adam were really good friends. So I remember Russ would always say to my dad, like Luke, Luke would never be playing hockey like 12 years around. Like it's just you kind of burn out. Right. So it was kind of like I would do my hockey thing. And then, like, I'd always enjoyed kind of like, I guess, like hanging up the gear for a couple months in the summer to kind of take a break and do something else. And then I always found like when it came time to like, I'm in that now, right? Where I haven't done anything. I played hockey in a while. I'm getting back into it now. Like, it's almost like your love of the game kind of just like rejuvenates, I guess. Like, you feel like you're really getting back into it and you can start to pick it up after, it you know, somewhat fresh.
1: Yes. I'm glad you said that because, you know, I deal with a lot with hockey schools. And even if it's not that just advice, people message me about their kids. And I try to be adamant. And I'm like, you know, those hockey schools are fine. I used to pick, you know, one in, once I started in August, whenever, when I was a kid, then I was ready to go. But, yeah, I would really enjoy that break. I play baseball a lot, too. And, um, mm. and for yourself, because, like, if anybody out there is listening, here's a guy who started at eight. So you'd figure – and. Other sports that might seem, yeah well, you know, he started eight, not at hockey. You got to learn to skate. Like yeah. if you don't know how to skate, yeah, you, you almost wait as soon as you start walking. Um, so, you know, for, for, so if Jesse Sutton doesn't have to catch up for those two months and he, he can afford to do it, I just think it's a healthy mindset. I'm not mm-hmm. saying do nothing. I'm sure you would you know be creative if it's just work out fine but anyway i'm glad you said that i wasn't that's sure that's the thing though right like it's not like you have to yeah be on the
0: ice to get to technically getting better at hockey like it was like in the gym it was doing other things and i found like there was different aspects like i said of different sports like i played soccer whether it was the cardio and then it was basketball i always found like always translated to playmaking. like it was kind of like
1: seeing the floor totally. seeing the ice kind of thing i to- <laughs> sorry, i totally agree with you um so fourteen fifteen, you go to Quebec, you play two games. Where were you the rest of the year? Quebec Ramparts, did they draft you? Yeah, so that's, that's exactly what
0: happened. Like, I spent my first year playing with the privateers, and then I was drafted right out of Midget to Quebec in the third round there. And then I ended up going to camp. But I had suffered a, a shoulder injury, actually, in my draft year in Midget for the Q. So I ended up reporting to camp. I played um, – Went through the preseason, and actually in the last game of preseason, I had a, like I kind of tweaked it again. So we ended up doing. I made the team, and we did our medicals the week after, and they actually told me that it was kind of like you have a separated shoulder, your labrum is torn, and your uh, your humerus head at the top of your shoulder is dislocated. So it was kind of like you're 16. You can either play through it, and there's a chance it's going to get worse, or you can have the surgery right now. It's a six month recovery, and you're probably going to miss your whole rookie year. So, yeah, we were hosting the Memorial Cup that year. I was 16. I had to make the decision. I decided it would be best to get it then. So I I was actually there the whole year. I missed the first 66 games of the regular season, rehabbing and working out every day. And, yeah, like I said, I ended up playing the last two games of the regular season. We were the Memorial Cup hosts, so... I kind of was just around the rest of the year with the guys and I ended up playing, I think two playoff games too. And then I guess I was there all the way from the beginning of August till the first of June I got home and I'd only actually played four games the whole
1: year. Wow. <laughs> uh, honestly, it's, that sounds like my first year in the NHL That's exactly what <laughs> happened actually, but, but yours for different reasons. This is wild. So I didn't know that. And I I saw the two games played and usually you see that. And it means someone got called up for two games and they played the rest of the year, junior a. Mm -hmm. And that's incredible. So your start as a hockey player was growth was stunted because you didn't even start skating until well into other people, people's, I don't want to say career, but you know, other people have been skating for four and five years. And then your first year in the queue You're gone for all all but two games with a major injury. That's too huge. Yeah. That's amazing.
0: Yeah. Well, like, I remember, like, I came home that summer, and it was kind of like people were like, I kind of heard, like, the pity line. It's like, well, like, you had, like, a shitty year or whatever. And I was kind of like, well, like, I, I wanted to look at it, like, a good way. Like, I got the chance to experience, like, junior my first year. So, like, right, I didn't play, but I got to experience my first year living away from home. I got used to all the coaches and teammates that I was going to be playing with. I got to kind of see all the different ranks and the style. Like I got used to all of our systems that our team played. Um, I got used to, I guess my billets living there. And then I was able to kind of work out the whole year. Cause when I actually went into junior, I think my draft year, I was only five ten and a half and a half or five eleven and like 170 pounds maybe. And then I ended up working out that whole year. And then the next summer, and I think I ended up coming back to camp the next year, like, I think I grew a couple inches. I was like 6'2", and like 185 or 190. So, like, it kind of made a big difference for me, like a growth of development. And then it was still technically my rookie year, but I kind of knew what to expect going into that next year.
1: Oh, 100%. And your coaches, I'm sure – I don't even need to know. I'm sure that they're happy that you made that decision. They gave it to you because it's realistic. You know, you can go home if you want. But what are you going to do there? There's a whole lot I often say to people to learn as a first-year anything. As a hockey mm-hmm. player, way more the first-year junior. I've been at every level. The most transitional I ever had to do was my first-year junior. I had to go through yeah. And, you know, you're doing. You're, you're getting that experience. You're there with the guys. They understand it. They see you. I can't stress enough, and, and, and for your own mental capacity, you're coming back not as a veteran in games played, but definitely as a veteran amongst the boys. So that was a great decision. 17-18, mm-hmm. um, you take off, 22 goals, 24 assists. Now you're in the swing of things. You, you, at at this point, and that's 20, 20 goals in major junior is not easy, especially having that. I'm not skipping over the year before either but that that was basically your rookie year on the ice yeah. was a year later. Now, so how did that feel to get to to all of a sudden start contributing to get up around uh, you know point every almost a point a game um and and did you feel a sense of accomplishment uh now all of a sudden you're not just in the queue you're a contributor.
0: That's the thing like I felt like when I came out, like I said, that first year was kind of like I heard the pity line. Like people said you had a tough year or whatever. And then I kind of went back my next year and, and it didn't go as, as well as I'd hoped. But for me, I think it was just a matter of confidence. Like I always found like you could be as confident as as you want. But like when you get out there and you can't do it or or kind of see it doing it yourself, then like you can't really do it. So. I think I went back, I think it was my 18 or my 19 year, with kind of a different mentality and a different mindset. And when I kind of started getting some games in, I started to realize the things I could do. I think it really took off for me. And it was it was just confidence. I think my coaches believed in me a lot more in my last couple of years. And and like I said, it, it went well. And, and obviously, I felt, I felt
1: accomplished in the way it happened. And uh, yeah, I'm glad and happy with my time I guess I spent in the queue. It's funny because... People often say, I, I tell that to people. I'm like, you know, you got to confidence is everything, and they'll say, well, you know, just I'll just look in the mirror and be confident. I'm like, it's yes. not that, though. You can tell yourself that, but it's getting out on the ice, and it's just all of a sudden when you don't have to think about it, the puck, and, and you're totally natural and making your offensive instinct decisions, and the puck just all of a sudden starts to find its way there. I can't explain some of it. I'm confident, but still, it, why did the puck just hit the boards and bounce right to me? There's mm-hmm. a combination of a lot of things going on out there. And it's not only a mindset, anybody can have a mindset. You know, I want to do this and mm-hmm. yes, I'm the best player here, but you got to go out and do it. And in order to do it, I, th- I think there's a level of comfort combined with confidence. Mm-hmm. And you can seriously tell uh, from your numbers when that started. That's happen. the thing too, right? Like, yeah,
0: I felt like, In my 18 year, like I had games, like it was all about consistency. Like I had games, like I think I had a hat trick in my 18 year old year, but it was kind of like spurts. Like I'd have like a three point game and then I wouldn't score for like five or 10 games. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then my 19 year, I found I really started to put it together with consistency. And then like, it was kind of like, okay, like I can go out here and score two goals and assist one night. And like, I'm playing against, I guess, the best junior prospects in the world, some NHL prospects. Like if I can do this one night, like what's the difference between me doing it every night? So that was kind of where my mentality kind of shifted, I guess, game to game. Makes total
1: sense. Now, your final year, your final year, you you not only play on a different team, you go through a trade. Explain that, and how did it feel? Um,
0: Well, I, we had a, a really good team my 19 year in Quebec. Uh, we ended up losing in game seven of the first round. We lost to Charlottetown. Uh, it was yes. a really, really close series. You were uh, on they ended I up forgot. going to the conference final, so – yeah, yeah. It was that. a really close series. We had a good team, but we ended up getting – They were. we were actually the higher seed, so I guess we got upset in the first round. I think it was only like seven against ten or something, so it was really close. But we ended up losing, and our coach ended up getting let go like two weeks after the season. So as soon as the season ended, I had had my best year in junior, and I, he had drafted me. I, he was the coach and GM. I'd played with him 16, 17, 18, 19. He's like, Jesse, Like we've had a good relationship. You had your best year. Like You're going to be back next year. Everything's great. Like I go home for two weeks. I start seeing stuff on Twitter, Like maybe. And then anyways, he ends up leaving, getting let go. It wasn't really said. They end up bringing in Patrick Roy. Uh, he was oh, our yeah. coach and GM. Uh, we didn't really get much communication throughout the summer. I think there was like five or six of us that were 20-year-olds going back. I ended up reporting to camp and – he basically just started trading all, all of us, like all the 20 year olds that had any value. And yeah, I ended up getting traded to me and it was definitely tough to leave. Like I'd been to Quebec my first four years in the league and I really did want to finish my five-year career there.
1: Wow. What, what was, I'll tell you my experience with WA. So my first, <laughs> wa I was 18 and I got drafted obviously to Montreal and that's, yeah i forgot you i know to, I, I don't yeah, think yeah, i ever yeah. mentioned that yeah i went eighth overall um so we we go out so they i'm staying down at this hotel at the manor of Le lemoine it was mm-hmm. right next to the forum it was my first camp i knew i was going back but he was actually still there it was right when he he went crazy and he he, he up, got upset that that happened that year and he got traded but he was there in montreal so they're like, oh, maybe you can go out and have dinner with him. So I went out to his house. Like, he was nice to me. I was unbelievably intimidated. I'll never forget, we pulled in, and Celine Dion was mowing her lawn next door. I'll never forget. <laughs> it was another world, right? I'm Mount Pearl to Tri-City, to, or Mount Pearl Tri- to Cornell, Tri-City, and all of a sudden this. But we went in there, and, and I remember he owned a roll, he had a roller hockey rink in his basement, and his kid must have been the young, the young kid that ended up playing goal. He was there. Yeah, yeah. He, was, he must have been really young at the time. But anyway, I just remember and, I know like he meant to be really nice, but I, I just couldn't. He wasn't very talkative, and I could not. I was like, get me the fuck out of here. That's <laughs> what I was thinking. It was, it was, it was, and then we went to the rink, and I just – like everybody I could kind of joke around with a little bit, I just always felt like he was 30 seconds away from losing his mind. I, I don't know why I felt like that, but I did. What was he like to, to, as a coach? Well,
0: <laughs> see, it was kind of different for me because when I had gone to Quebec – Me and Phil Boucher was my coach. Like I said, I spent my whole career with, he actually got hired only the year before. So when I went to Quebec, there was Cody Donahue and Kurt Etchgary, who are my good buddies and had played there. So they had kind of knew Pat and stuff like that. So I'd heard about him, but I had actually only experienced Phil. So then my four years go by and then Pat ends up coming back. So I really only, I only heard things and then I kind of got to meet him at camp. Like we met a couple of times about my situation And you know what? Like, he was really nice to me about it. He was straight up, which is really all you can ask from a hockey coach. Um, Obviously, a lot of my buddies still play there and played there for him that year I was gone. And, yeah, like they say, he's intense, but he definitely knows his stuff. And, you know what? Best whistler I've ever heard. I was there in camp. He didn't use a whistle in practice. Didn't even use his fingers, like, up to his mouth. Like, the loudest whistler I've ever heard. Like, you could hear it all over Quebec City. Wow
1: that's unbelievable that's good insight because you know a lot of people like me I, I think the only reason I expected all that is because like I I'd heard these things about how intimidating mm-hmm. it was but I Cody's mentioned that too and I think a lot of fans need to hear that because yes of course he has a temper but I'm glad to hear that he was actually nice and straight up there's nothing to be you know he, he treated you well treated the boys well that's good enough for me and I mean obviously he knows his hockey um UPEI the decision um because I know you had some options. Tell us why you picked PEI. Uh, I feel like there was a few.
0: Um, the fit just kind of felt right. Like I always, I've obviously been to PEI before, traveling to play there with Charlottetown. I played hockey tournaments there in the past. I always found it was a little like Newfoundland. Like I kind of got that vibe kind of when I was there. My agent, Doug Shepherd is actually from PEI, so I'd spent summers there. Whoa,
1: whoa, 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 whoa. Stop the press. Hold... Hold Doug Shepard, the Doug Shepard my age, the great hockey player from De- Gander, shoots left, forward. Are we talking about the same Doug Shepard?
0: Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, he's...
1: Wow. Yeah. I had no idea Dougie was doing that. He mm-hmm. was a great hockey player, you know, mm-hmm. a great hockey player. And the last I saw, I laid eyes on Doug. It was my last pro game ever. I played for Orlando in the Atlantic Coast League, and he was coaching Knoxville. And I know that he came back. And got involved in coaching. I didn't know he was an agent. Wow. Okay. Yeah, he,
0: he is an agent. And he ended up, I always forget that he's from Newfoundland, too. I don't know why yeah. I always forget that. But I, like I said, I, I went to PEI. He was from there and he, he did, a, he was a skating coach there, actually. And he he ran Andrews Hockey.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So, a, yeah. Yeah. So, did you ever, ever look at his hockey DB? He's got a decent career. Like he went down and got yeah. a scully. I forget where. He, it's just great you brought up that name because my, in my age group, you know a lot of guys, even senior hockey, whatever, they 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 stopped playing and, and, and you, or or you lost touch with them, and he was a great player. I, I truly believe that at that time I was getting all the press being that age, and we we'd won the All Newfoundland and, you know, but big numbers and and you know I was making the decision to go out west, but the, the, there was another story going on. There was a couple other great players on the island. One guy was Kurt Walsh from CBS, ended up getting yeah. the – Third round to Buffalo, and, uh, you know, there was more, but Doug Shepard was right there in the conversation. And he was a great hockey player. Glad to hear. Um, okay, so keep going. UPEI. Yeah, he, he definitely had a good playing career. And now, like I said, he, he's an
0: agent. <laughs> he's, he was my agent, so he wow. still is. And he was a skating coach because he ran – he kind of did, like, I guess the, the development part of Andrews Hockey in, in Charlottetown. So I'd been there. Uh, I spent summers there when I was playing junior, working with him and, and training there. And he actually hooked me up with uh, Mike Kelly, who was the assistant coach in Vegas with, uh, with Gerard Glant. Nice. And I lived with him while I was in the summer. So like I had some experience with Charlottetown. My good buddy, Andrew Pico, and then Nate Yetman was there. And then Jordan Myers, one of my best friends, was committed there already. So it kind of just made sense. We're hosting, we're set to host nationals this year. So kind of the pieces
1: kind of fell in, I guess, fell in place for me to go there. Awesome. I absolutely love, uh, I would have made that decision. If nothing else, I spent a lot of time in PEI. I'm I'm sure I told you about it, but from going way back, some of my good friends that played hockey were from there, being David Ling and Jason McDonald. I would go over there in the summer and then I would, would, you know, to golf tournaments pretty much every year for 15 or 16 years. Not, Not much to be honest, I would have gone again. I'm set to go in August, and I, you know, I love PEI. Um, can you t- is did I hear Forbes McPherson is your coach or assistant coach? Am I wrong there? Yeah, he's the head coach. Okay, so he played a few games with me and St. John's for the Maple Leafs as well. I hope yep. you, I hope you know that uh, Forbes is a legend, right? He is a legend. yeah. Okay, he played down in the Central League, had some good numbers, and uh, he had a great career too. So uh, for those reasons, uh, the Kennedys. Forby Kennedy's a legend. We used to go to his bar sportsman's, uh, but that's great. And uh, you know, the other thing, I love that little uh, Atlantic conference and so many, it, it's so competitive. And I really try to explain to people, you know, these guys are, were great. It, it, they're the best that you got for the best, each team's probably the best junior A players. And then, you know, it's filled with major junior players. And a lot of these guys, like, you know, you're going four years up. there playing against some of the best players in the world. That, it, it, some guys get drafted. Some don't. Some develop late. Some people, like yourself, missed a full year, a year before their draft year. So I, I, I often say, like, if there's one underrated level, it's mm-hmm. Canadian University Hockey. Uh, yeah. So listen, as you go to PE and you guys, weren't you set to host it, or am I wrong there? We are set to host it, yeah. Um, I'm not really sure, like I
0: said, what the plan is as of right now. I know our season is for sure canceled in the fall, and there is optimism that it will start in January, so I don't know whether if we're going to have somewhat of a football season where it's going to be like 10 or 15 games, and then we're going to go right into playoffs and nationals, but like I said uh, hockey is better than no hockey. So,
1: yeah. And um, I assume it's because UPEI has had some ups and downs, but I'm looking, you guys have a good squad. You're building towards something. So I really hope for that reason, you know, you get to host something and usually, you you know, people will sign there because of that. So it's a
0: super underrated league though. Like, I think that was the perfect word for you to describe it. Like, I think, I had heard a lot of good things about the AUS and like I had options to go play in Ontario too, to, to really, really good academic schools. But then I just thought like I'd really been missing out on kind of that AUS experience. And I spent most of my junior career living away from home, I guess in a Quebec environment, a French environment. So I thought I want to play the best hockey I can. And and I definitely come to the AUS did that. Um, yeah, it's it's just a it's more of a pro style. Like coming from junior, like yeah, I thought yeah. like I'd kind of be able, like I was like okay, like I played five years in the queue. like I'd be able to jump in right away and be an impact player right away, kind of thing. Yeah. But like it's definitely a different style than junior. Like in junior, like you have like your skill guys and like you're kind of, like you can kind of pick up the puck where you want. And you, there's definitely room and you can skate up the ice and, and do your thing. But in the AUS, it's definitely more of a pro style where it's kind of below the dots and and there's a lot more physicality to it.
1: A hundred percent. And people are, I like if I, if I was a scout and I know it's, it, it's, it's happened like the most famous that in, in, in my years was Joel Ward who played yep. at UPI and everybody knows what happened there. But I've often said like Joel Ward, like he, he was good at PEI. He was real good, but he, he wasn't like unbelievably the best in the league skating around everybody. So what I'm saying is that if there was Joel Ward, each team has a few guys like that, that, that at the least that should get a look. And I would really, if I was a scout, I'd open up the book more on, on AU, or the, not just Atlantic, but Canadian university. Yeah. Um, for that reason, man, and you're growing and it's different levels. I could see if you're 25, but some people develop it at, at 17. Some people, hello, Ryan Cloe, develop at 19. You know, uh, some people need to work on things that like a guy like Michael Ryder, his shot was his shot when he was 16. He, yeah. he just needed to work on some other things. Now he signed a contract last minute. I'm telling you, the first year I played with Rides, he got sent down to the East Coast League. Like well, we we were in the Montreal organization together, but he was in the coast, right? So. Yeah. And he's and, and there's lots of guys like that in university that all of a sudden they grow into their skating, but they still have a hundred and five mile an hour shot. So it's like anyway, that's she just my take on it. Piece, yeah. And uh yeah, for sure. Um who was your favorite NHL team growing up?
0: I'm a I'm a Leaves fan. Uh I was a Leafs fan all growing up, but I also am a big Jets fan. That's kind of my team now. I cheer for the Jets and Leafs, where the Ice Caps were here for a couple of years, and I developed a good relationship with Craig Heisinger, who was the GM of the Ice Caps and the assistant general manager of the Winnipeg Jets now. So I definitely cheer for them,
1: and they're my teams kind of going forward. Interesting. Um, I, w- I already asked you what you're doing in school. I believe kinesiology. So what's what you know? What are your goals when it comes to that?
0: Um, I probably got about two more years at UPEI and yeah, I just, I just wanted to pick a degree that I was interested in. I'm not very business oriented, so I wanted to do kin. I've always been interested in the body and I've had my fair share of injuries. So I definitely know kind of the anatomy side of it. And then, yeah, I want to graduate with that degree and then hopefully have a chance at pro hockey afterwards. And then, uh, if that doesn't work out, then I'm really interested in coaching. So that's, uh, kind of where I want to go from that.
1: You're a two-way player. Who would have been the hardest player that you personally had to check in the Quebec Major Junior League? Some good ones.
0: Um, well, I guess for people listening right now, I guess Alexi Lafreniere was definitely one of the best I've definitely had to go up against. He, uh, we played in Quebec. I think we'd play them like at least eight to ten times a year. They were our division rival. So we played them. I definitely played them my fair share of time. Uh, but yeah, like there's there's a lot of underrated guys I played against like I played with Anthony Duclair, I played with Adam Ernie, uh, played against Nico Heisher, uh oh, Nikolai nice. Ehlers, Timo Meyer, uh, yeah, Thomas Shabbat. There's a lot there's a lot of good ones <laughs> that and, were and tough
1: to play against. And not only that, because of that development thing, I'm telling you there's gonna be more and more. Um, because you're what are you twenty two? Am I right? Yep. Yeah, twenty-two. So wow, what I've always thought that that's a more interesting age to me than 18. In hockey, it, 18 is in your face because, you know, the the, the draft and, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the first guys that come out start to make an impression. For me, it was Brian Burrard or Wade Redden, uh, Peter Sikora. You know, it's, the next year people start to – but by 22, 23 is when you saw Jerome McGinley come. Oh, that's why. You know, and, and I find you're at that age now, and there's going to be guys that you went, wow, I played against some – how did he get a contract? But he ends up being good because people are not Yeah, differently. exactly. I see that every day. Yeah, exactly. Um, do you think in your lifetime we will, uh, people will walk on Mars? Hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully. Well, uh, I'd like to see it. I don't yeah, know if it, it would be, be me, decent. but I'd like to see it. <laughs> uh, do you think aliens exist? uh i'm not really
0: into that whole Kyrie irving kind of alternative universe kind of thing and the flat earth kind of stuff that he gets
1: on with sometimes so i'm gonna go with no fair enough yeah he does get on with some crazy shit i I still (laughs) think a lot of that gotta be just for the for the follow yeah (laughs) um favorite movies oh man i'm a big movie guy I spent a lot of time on the last last uh, oh yeah this question is, every time i ask a hockey player this question they have to go oh because especially me out west we are if we went to brandon it was oh, 30 hours travel league yeah so like i'm like i'm saying no no chances are i saw it you know good <laughs> bad and ugly
0: um i'm a big i'm a big comedy guy uh i love super bad that's a good one
1: what a fucking movie that
0: is! (laughs) step brothers is a classic um but yeah i'm like i I find i'm kind of all over the place like i i love comedy but i'm a big horror movie guy but i also love sports movies like if i had to pick a movie to sit down and watch like big coach carter glory road like i love those kind of movies
1: i watched hoosiers the other night it's also ah hoosiers one of the best yeah i love Mm -hmm. it um if, by the way, if you like comedies, I'll give you something from my era. Yeah. What, about, what about Bob? Check that out. I think you right. like it. Uh, favorite music?
0: I'm a pop guy, pop and rap. Not a big country music fan. That seems to be like the trend with my age group, I guess, kind of going forward now, but I'm not a big country music guy. Uh, yeah, fair. And it is. It is
1: trending up, and I wonder why. I'm all, I, I, like I it kind it. of died off for a little bit. Now it's kind of like, that's I know, like, but I I find it derivative now. Like I I don't I like the old school country. I think just because I grew up like pop country now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then in the '90s there was some good stuff when I was living out out west, and you know from Tim McGraw, Alan Jackson. But now it seems like I don't want to knock anybody in particular, but it you know. Even the good songs, like Eric Church, and I had a drink in my hand. I, I know you got a drink in your hand. I know you got a truck. Let's just, can, can, we, can we move that's on? That's it, to that? That's at least for me. It's just, it seems derivative now at this point. There's drinking just, trucks and... Yeah, and, you know. No, it's like, <laughs> and I get it. And some's all right. I like, I love Sturgill Simpson there. There's one country guy I love. Check out uh, Some Days by Sturgill Simpson if you're listening. All right. that. and that's it, yeah. And, and I think you will like it. Um, but yeah, I find most of it repetitive um i think i think we're pretty much done are you oh no 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 now we got to talk about your podcast where um where when how do they follow and uh when how many episodes do you put out a week um
0: yeah we it's pretty simple like we're on uh instagram and facebook at talk on the rock pretty simple um we do weekly episodes every friday we're trying we're gonna do 10 episodes in a season so we got our 10th one coming up this week now and then i'm not sure if we're going to take a week break or not but uh yeah we got some exciting guests lined up i guess for the next season and uh, i guess we're kind of
1: excited for for what the future holds i guess sounds good well i tell you this i do love your show i've listened to the episodes um and i wish you guys luck and i got some ideas as i said i'm running tjs as you know if you guys want to do one from the deck you know, no problem. Maybe we can incorporate, have a live podcast, have two or three guests on, whatever. Use your head. I'm just saying we're yeah, there for support correctly. if you like. Yeah, I think, I think there's something there before you go back, whenever that is. And uh, either way, we'll, we'll have you guys back um, in one form or another soon. I wish you luck for the rest of the summer. I'm sure I'll see you soon. And uh, good luck with everything, Jesse Sutton. All right, Terry. Thanks a lot. Thanks for coming on, buddy. See you soon. And there you have it, uh, Jesse Sutton. Uh, interesting. He's an interesting uh, cat and a very good hockey player. And I didn't realize about those setbacks, by the way, that he had to go through. And those are big. Not starting hockey till eight might sound to people, well, he started at eight. You know, you can start basketball or football. Or, Well, I'd argue all the sports, if you start earlier, you'll probably be more natural at them. It's just skating kind of is a glaring thing in hockey um for example i I would have just assumed carl english played basketball before he was eight but the non-sporting world eight sounds young but to the sporting world i'm telling you whatever it is you end up excelling at chances are you had that in your hand when you were three or four i was at the rink so i had you know i I could skate because i was forced to i guess and you know some people you have it in and you're not if you walk by a basketball court I walk by a basketball court and I was six, seven, eight, nine years old, if there's a ball, I'm shooting it and I'll stay there all day. It's a different world now. Um, but anyway, thanks to Jesse. And the, the podcast is talk on the rock. He does it with Clifton Finney. It's great. Uh, and it's a perspective from some, some young kids that uh, you know, that have already had some, not only had some interesting experiences, uh, but are taking advantage of the hockey. And I'm not just talking about Jesse. I'll get Clifton on here sometime. He's got an interesting story too. The Boys are buddies their whole lives. But um, anyway, yeah, they have an interesting perspective. And they're fans of the game, and not only game, of sports. Uh, and I like their guests. So the Carl English exa- episode, for example, I he was the guest after me. I was first. Kidding, Carl, kidding. Um, well, I'm not kidding. I was first, but I'm, I don't think there was anything to that other than I'm from Mount Pearl and uh Jesse's hometown and Clifton's hometown. So I do appreciate it. But point being, Carl's episode, man, it's one of inspiration. It doesn't matter what sport or what. You don't even have to play a sport. It's inspiring, right? Listening to these guys uh talk about Zach Fucali, you know, the thing about that guy. Played, you know, World Juniors up and down with Montreal. He's seen it from all perspectives as have I, and I find those kind of guests very, very interesting. So hats off to the guys for taking the bull by the horns and doing it. And I really support that podcast. Uh, What else? Um, TJ's, if you're going to, if you're going to have beers uh, in Newfoundland, uh, downtown George street, again, outside of all the chaos that happened last weekend, TJ's, we got a great deck and I'm going to do things now to even keep the crowds down. I mean, well, we're crowds is one thing we have bouncers to manage that but you know i'm going to put out some board games we're going to have a live podcast or two from down there uh that way you'll get people showing up but you know maybe it'll be more controlled in any case we're going to try okay guys we're going to try um and when we have been trying so before the public just give some kind of outcry because we had dance music on and there's a lineup i'll remind you there's a lineup because we're doing our job and i can guarantee you that in the in the, in the inside of turkey joe's there will not be one person over what's recommended in fact we're going to go way under um because even though we're allowed 65 on the deck i told you it, it, it starts to look uh, the optics to me um at times, can be misleading. So I'd rather that would rather not take any more heat or or cause uh, any more uh, misunderstanding. And I want to be sensitive to people's uh, requests again, which I believe we were. But just going forward, um, Turkey Joe's is and not only a great bar, we got a great deck, and we got you know we have ten new TVs in there. We got a pool table. Uh, you know, you can order food from Green Sleeves. So you can have a bite to eat. Uh, it's it's a great bar, and George Street's a great place, and uh, Newfoundland is is a great province. Uh, what else? Uh, PS4, a lot of you guys have been at me. So, you know, I play once in a while. Once I throw my tag out there, which I did on a couple of stories, you know, I get like 5,000 <laughs> requests. No, that's a lot, but maybe a hundred. I look at my PS4. I don't know anybody. They're all asking to play. I'm not trying to be ignorant people. I just can't get to everybody. And you know, I'm on there. I play, uh, I do, a. am doing a lot of work because I'm trying to make money. It's hard enough to get the podcast in. If I happen to go on there, if I happen to go on there, my team is the Newfoundland Knights. Okay. And I'm on GTA more than anything. Me and my buddies go on there with our, uh, and we play as a group. There's a lot of Online challenges—it's a bit of fun. Um, Red Dead Redemption a little bit, uh, but the hockey—you know—you f- can figure out my tag when you find that. Just—it's—it's it's Newfoundland Knights. Sure, I'll play you once in a while. Uh, Jesse's team—we just had a tournament. They beat us six to three. I think Jordan Mara, the right winger, he mentioned had had all six. So we're we're okay, and, and they lost the tournament we played in. So we got waxed by one team, and we lost one nothing to another. We're not great. I'm all right, though. I've been playing for 10 years. I should be better. I just think, my, I think I'm getting older. I think that's the answer. I think in hockey, I can disguise it because I can skate and whatever and put good players on my line. But it must be, <laughs> it must be my mental uh, reflexes are, are slowing down or something because these kids kill us. But uh, it's a laugh. I shouldn't say that. We, we, we win the odd game, and uh, we just have a laugh doing it, man. We throw on the headsets. And play against teams at night and it's a good uh, especially in these in these crazy trying times it's a way to be social and uh, we need to stay being social penny posh women's wear we imagine check it out online hoodies are great and they're 129 i believe we sell them for 69 if you order it you'll get a picture from me and my father both signed and you'll get the hoodie for 69 almost half price Check that out. And uh, listen, so it had some books. So I had a lot of book orders and pictures. So if anybody out there left doesn't have a book, the only reason is because I had to order another set of 50 that just came in. So they're going out today. As of today, all the books, all the pictures should finally be sent to you. If you don't get it in three days, please don't text me. If you don't get it in a week, maybe maybe two weeks. But I don't know if it's the mail now or what. And I go up and I send it all, you know, regular mail. It costs me about, uh, oh God, you know, yeah, it costs me about eight, nine bucks per book anyway to send. Uh, and I don't, so I don't send it any faster. So, you know, and it usually comes within a week. If, if that hasn't been happening, I apologize. And if you haven't got yours for like two months, then I'm, I'll look into it. But if it was merely a matter of weeks, then that's the problem. And uh, like I said, I get, you're paying, I charge in Canada, you know, the book's 20 at the store, so I only charge 30. It's 30 with shipping. So I just sign it, and, and that's where the 30 coming from. I, I'm not trying to make a buck here. It's not 50 cents that I'm sending. it. I'm sending it regular mail, but because of the weight of it, uh, you know, it, it costs a little bit. And uh, because of the times, I'm guessing, it's taking a little bit, but trust me, they're all sent. And uh, I appreciate the business, put it that way. I really do. I appreciate everybody listening to this show. And I appreciate the patience because I'm not going to have an episode every every uh, two or three days like I, I did, but I'm really going to try to pump out one a week. Uh, my last two, um, Alex Newhook and Shane Corson, have been getting some great feedback, as were the others, but I've talked about those uh and again a lot of people wanted to really a, a lot of people didn't realize who alex newhook was or that he was from newfoundland so uh alex yeah went 16th overall a fellow newfoundland first round pick i can't say that about many people john slaney and uh, danny cleary i think that's it um and and myself obviously if i haven't mentioned that <laughs> but but uh anyway yeah alex so A lot of people have texted me about, and a lot, likewise, the other way, a lot of people, Alex ages are sending me a message saying, well, I didn't realize Shane Corson played with Wayne Gretzky. He's a very interesting cat too. Shane Corson has some great stories. And so anyway, thanks for the listens. Thanks for the questions. I hope I got back to everybody. It takes me a while. Uh, Good luck with everything. I hope to see you real soon. Uh, In the near future, we have Brad Lukowicz coming on. We have Aaron Brand, who's a former uh, OHL scoring champ, played here in St. John's. People will love to hear from Aaron. He's got some great causes coming. we got Aaron Asham coming for another episode. We have Matthew Burnaby, and uh, those are the next four. So hopefully within the next month, I'll have those guests for you guys who are not only interesting hockey players, hockey personalities, but interesting people in general. Until then, I'll catch you on The Rebound. It's been great. Thanks a lot, everybody.